Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So you really want to make a podcast? (laughs) Yeah, what if we just sang our Um, music? Maybe we should get some real music, Samantha. The podcast came. Are you still recording? Three, two. Survival Jobs is a podcast spotlighting artists, their side hustles, and their passions. Hosted by Samantha Titsula and Jason A. Coons. Boom. Sweet. Okay. Love it. Jason. Hey, Sikrax. <laughs> <laughs> Samantha. I can't oh, believe we're already two. on episode two. Sorry. I know, right? Episode two is crazy. I know it's like only two, but it feels like much more. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's our first episode of someone else, too. So that's like really exciting. Before we talk to Robin, let me ask you a quick question. Did you watch any like inspiring art this week? Did anything inspire you artistically? Tell me all the things. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I've been watching uh, Living Single reruns, that show from the 90s, literally all weekend. I love that show. Hey, what were you going to say? No, it's say fun. I actually... I don't know if I'm embarrassed to say this. I don't, I had I have no idea that show. Oh, you should watch it. Oh. It's Queen Latifah. Yes. Um, and Coles. Yeah, it's about these four black women who uh, it's like the original Friends. It's like what inspired Friends to be Friends. Really? Yeah, like it came up before Friends. And quick fact is that the people of Friends or like NBC wanted their own version of Living Single. The Living Single was on Fox and then they made Friends. So Wow. Good yes. to know. Wow. Oh, well, good, Jason. I'll have to check that out. Living single. I love Queen Latifah. Yeah, she's the truth. She is the truth. She has a new show. (laughs) The Equalizer. I tried watching it the other day and I was so tired. I fell asleep. Not because of the show was bad, but because I was just so tired. Because you're a very Um, busy man. She's taking names. We're about to be taking (laughs) mad names over here. Yes. Maybe we'll get her on the show one day. Let's let's put put that in the universe. Just put it in, put it in, put it in. Yeah. Um, Come on, queen. Come on, queen. I would need like a (laughs) gallon of wine before that one. (laughs) Just kidding. I'll be like so drunk. I'll be like, hello. (laughs) Come on, queen. Can you share with us a uh, survival job memory or horror story, Samantha? As a matter of fact, Jason, I can. <laughs> yeah, you know, I feel like when we had our first episode, our first episode, which was literally one episode ago, some talking like yes. it was so long ago. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we talked a lot, but there was so much we didn't touch on. So 
uh, one of my very, very first survival survivor jobs, one of my very first survival jobs, which you also worked at, which we'll talk about another day, was at the 9 11 memorial. I believe it was like my yes. fourth job in the city because I had so many jobs and I quit them all within the first three months, which <laughs> is too long of a story for now. But mm. um, one of my first days was on New Year's Eve or close to new year's eve i don't know something around new year's (laughs) eve and it was raining so hard and the position as you know was to stand outside and we had these giant jackets and the park was like the exhibit so you had to go through all the security and all these checkpoints Mm -hmm. as you know and it was pouring rain and i was an idiot and i legit was in fake uggs okay not even real uggs soaked okay my boots were soaked because i'm in just a jacket and fake uggs so i i lied to the boss and i said (laughs) that i had explosive diarrhea and i i couldn't stand all day and i needed to go home immediately and then i think i quit the the job two weeks later i couldn't do it listen i i'm so dead (laughs) how did you you tell that to someone's face like i have hey my my bowels i am not feeling well um i i'm not feeling while well. I have explosive diarrhea. I think I actually said, no shame. Everybody has explosive diarrhea at some point, right? Like, oh yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah. So that yes. is one of my survival job horror stories. And listen, I liked the job. I, you know, yeah, but I, mean, I had to go. Yeah. <laughs> I had to go that day. <laughs> I was soaking wet. <laughs> I said, I have to go. It's depressing. I'm cold. I have explosive diarrhea. Yes. Wink, and wink. then you're here. And then I quit. And now, now we're here. We're here in a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> in a pandemic yeah. in 2021. Who this knew? So fun. Yeah. So yes. I'm so excited to talk to Robin De Jesus today. Yes. Well, let's let's tell everybody a little bit about him, shall we? So for those of you who don't know who Robin is, um, he is a three-time Tony Award nominee. Uh, he started his professional acting career in the independent film camp and by the way if you have not watched camp you need to find it i don't think you can stream it anywhere right now oh my god it needs to be on something it was on netflix it's so good it It was on netflix for a little while i don't think it's on there now and by the way he always likes to tell you he was in camp maybe just me or everyone (laughs) i don't know (laughs) anyway since that film after some survival jobs he went on to mm-hmm. have mega success on broadway he was seen in rent in the heights wicked the boys in the band among other plays uh he's also been seen on many tv shows mm-hmm. including by the way law and order svu where yes. he had the recurring role of jose silva and by the way when he got the script that he was gonna have a scene with mariska i died <laughs> died that you did I'm like, how is my husband, my non-romantic husband, by the way, how is he going to be in a scene with Mariska? So yeah, those are some of his highlights. Jason, take it away for the rest. Yes. Well, Robin grew up in Norwalk, Connecticut. No, but the cool thing is Robin is a homegrown, like Connecticut hero. I always say. Um, Yeah, you do love that. Yeah. He's always giving back to the community where he came from. Like all my friends are always like, cause I think I told them one time that I like met him at your house. <laughs> and then yeah. They were like, yeah, it was, was cool. And um, it was the first time I met him. And like, I think like everybody's just always like, oh, that's so cool that you know this guy that he was in camp and he always comes back. <laughs> he um, was in camp. 
Yeah, everybody. Lo- I mean, I went to Pullman Art School, so we we loved that movie. <laughs> like that was like yeah, our movie. definitely. But yeah, so he always comes back. He like my friend's a teacher. My friend Alicia, she's a teacher, and she was like, "Do you know who did a talk at my school, Robin?" And I was like, "Oh, that's awesome." But yeah, he's um was recently in like you said, Boys in the Band on Broadway, and the Netflix adaptation that came out last year, which is amazing. Um, yes, and he would next be seen in the film adaptation of Tick Tick Boom. Uh, playing the role of Michael and directed by Lynn Manuel Miranda, Fierce. some little guy that maybe someone knows up there. Never heard of him, by the way. Have you? I don't know. Never maybe. heard of him. Well, that was a great intro. So yeah, let's get Robin on, right? Let's get him. Hi, Robin. Hey, what up, y'all? Hi, Jason. Hi, Samantha. Hey. Hi. You are the first ever guest on Survival Jobs, a podcast. How do, do you, you feel? I feel right. I feel good. I feel fortunate yes. and excited to celebrate with y'all and discover this this new thing, right? Yeah. Are you excited? You feel honored? I do feel <laughs> so sweet. Thank you. I mean, <laughs> listen, I've I've known y'all for a minute. Samantha's one of my ride or dies, so it feels it, it it feels like it's just us chilling in the living room and just having a good chat. Or that's what I'm assuming it's gonna be like. It's not. Yeah. It's really gonna be scary. <laughs> Well, look, you're number one in survival jobs um, lineup. So now you'll be number one on the call sheet next. Yes. <laughs> Putting it into the universe. From your mouth to God's ear. So, Jason, do you want to tell Robin a little bit about what survival jobs is before we jump into questioning him? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we are here. Samantha and I are just talking to people that we love, people who are creative and are artists who have gotten to that level that we want to be on um, and is talking about their survival jobs that they had in their past, you know, what kept them going through the hard times, um, why you'd create, why you're an artist. So we're going to ask you a bunch of questions like that, but I'm very happy to have you here. You've been such a, like I was telling Samantha, you're like a Connecticut hero. I feel like everybody knows who you are. Everybody's always like, like my friend Alicia, she was like messaging me a couple months ago. She's like, Robin talked to my school today. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> and like my friends are always like, oh, I saw Robin at Troop or something. Like everybody just like loves you so much. So. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I love Connecticut. I just, Samantha and I both are in love with it. And we've always been a fan of making both worlds work, of living in the city and coming back. And it's my sure. community is it's like, it's what made me. So I'm, I'm, I'm always happy to be home. All right. So we're going <laughs> to jump right in. Go okay. ahead. What was your best survival job and why, Robin? My best survival job, honestly, it was working at Bertucci's, uh, this like brick oven pizzeria chain in Connecticut. And it will, mm. it, it runs, it's, it's on, it's in the Northeast. There's a, there's a couple of Southern states that used to have them. I don't know if they do anymore, but it mm. was the brick oven pizzeria. I literally, I worked there when I lived in Connecticut, like fresh out of high school. And then I moved to New York and I could not get a job. When I tell <laughs> you, I auditioned at Barnes and Noble. I auditioned <laughs> at, the, at those places. I don't know why. They were mad discriminatory, I guess. I don't know. No, but I moved <laughs> right after I'm the holidays, which is the worst time to audition for I mean, to, to, to apply for a job in the city. Yeah. I almost said audition like legit legitimately. Um <laughs> and so I had to go back to work in Connecticut. I was living in Harlem. 
and I'd hop in my hoopty and I would drive the 50 minutes to go to Bertucci's. Did you? I did better. not know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say that was that was when I was 19, but I'm old for my age. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. You and, are. Um, and, and But that place was like, it was so good to me. I had so many friends there. Um, they were so supportive of, of what I was trying to do and the, the managers were too. And I remember they were, there would even be days where we, we'd clean up on a Saturday night after a double shift, all of us, the kitchen, the waiters and stuff, and, and the bus boys and bartenders and everybody. And they would be like, Robin, just sing. And we would just hang out by the, by the 500s, I think it was, the tables. And mm-hmm. we would, and when I'm I sad that you know the numbers. <laughs> I'm sure it was the 500s. And, um, and the day that I quit that job was November 11, 2005. And the reason that I quit was because I got the phone call from Rent to go join the Broadway company as a squeegee man and others. And, and others. <laughs> at the theater that night. And I remember like later on feeling so guilty that I did not feel guilty at all to call them on that on that Friday, November 11th, 2005, to say, guys, I'm not coming in tonight. Damn, you didn't even give it proper two-week notice? I didn't give the proper two-week notice. Donna was livid. Donna was a host. And she was like, I just can't believe that Robin would leave like this. He's just never been this way before. I was like, You're like, it's Broadway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What? (laughs) But that place was like, they were were really, really good to me. So I think that's the, Mm. it also had a sense of community. And I think that was why. Followed by a close second is mm-hmm. the, the the job that I hated and loved the most, which was the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. Um, <laughs> I, 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 the reason I say I, the reason I, I can't say it was all hate was because I made really good friends there. To but, clarify something, you worked at Bertucci's after camp the movie came out. Oh, boo boo. Let me tell you, the survival jobs after camp were humbling. <laughs> <laughs> Like I would get recognized. That's what I was gonna ask. Did you get recognized putting that bread down? Because by got, the way, the I bread got, at Bertucci's. Oh, I got recognized at Bertucci's at Bubba Gums. I got recognized um, at FAO Schwartz because I worked at FAO Schwartz as a toy demonstrator. I lasted three shifts. Did you? Oh, oh my yeah. gosh! That was the first job I ever had in the city outside of performing. I I got a job there because I was just trying to move to the city. And mm-hmm. someone reached out to me and said, hey, I got, I know a great job. They pay like 15, 16 bucks an hour back. I'm talking about 0405. That's good money. That's yeah. good money. You know what I'm saying? That um, is good money. I feel like, I, I, no, that, I always say like, I want to, I want to feel like, like, like a rich white woman. You know what I mean? Like that. And that's all I felt like. Um, 15, 16 an hour in 2005. Yeah, boo-boo. Yeah. And, and it was, it was a job that was created for actors. So if you had an audition, you could take your break whenever you wanted, as long as you worked the total amount of hours. It didn't matter if they were consecutive or not. That's amazing. Oh, wow. You got an audition at one o'clock, you leave at 1230, be back by 130 and everyone's gravy, you know? But but it was, it was I was miserable and no one trained you. They just gave you a toy and said, stand in this corner. And then you go <laughs> and most of the day was just tours asking you where the bathroom was or where like the new Yu-Gi-Oh or whatever was the toy at the time was. Mm-hmm. And I remember that, I didn't know. Like, I couldn't tell you where the bathroom was. <laughs> and I was commuting every day from Connecticut to work that. And then I was like, this has got to stop. Bye. You were commuting from Connecticut to go to FAO Shorts? Because I thought that getting the job would lead to a full-time job, which then could lead to me committing to an apartment in the city. 
Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I was just trying to like take the steps. And that's the beauty of being from Connecticut like us, where you're, you know, it's an hour train ride. We're, we're, we're so lucky that way. But it, but it also was a lot mm-hmm. of work, hard commuting that way. Oh, wait, what was the question you asked before? I'm so sorry. I lost the thread. That was the question. What was your best yeah. survival job? So then that sort of leads into the next question of what was your worst and why? <laughs> My worst one? Well, actually, wait, I want to I want to go back retroactively and I hope I'm not messing with No, me. go. We love this. You asked about being recognized earlier. And, yeah. what, and what I will say is there was the most adorable couple at Bertucci's. They were like really big into art house movies. They were from Darien. They were really posh. And they recognized me because they would just go into the city and see our house films. And they made it a point to come back and like always ask for my section and always make sure that like they got to tip me because they knew that I was like trying to make it in this business. And there were lots of people who ended up doing that over time. But the, the, the story that I want to share real quick is that there's an actress that I now know who said that when she was in college, there was a school trip to the Bubblegum Shrimp Company in Times Square. And you know, they were just eating there in between shows or before show or whatever. And she saw me and she said to someone, she stopped another waiter and goes, I'm sorry, is that the guy from camp? And they laughed. And oh, wow. Said, yes, it is. And years later, I met her and she goes, I have to tell you, thank you, because I needed to see you in that position. Mm. I, I realized in that moment, like here I am going to college to study musical theater. And you just did this movie that in my mind is a big deal. And mm. now you're my waiter. So like, that's what I'm accepting as, as my life. That, that, that is, that is the, the contract I'm making, that I'm okay following my passion, knowing full mm-hmm. well that that means sometimes I will be carrying plates or cleaning dishes or whatever it is that you got to do. For sure. That that's story real. is literally like the guideline to this podcast. I know. You know? It reminded, it reminded me because I remember <laughs> the first time I got a co-star role and it was literally like three words on Mr. Robot. And then, but like, you know, you go, you have like a trailer and like you feel all special for that one day, but then you have to, you have to go back to your, your, you know, your life, right? Your survival job just keeps surviving, but uh, you feel so special. Oh you know? yeah. And it's like, and if you choose to make the decision, it's like that feeling of, of being seen, of feeling special, of feeling like you're doing what you love is like mm-hmm. some people really like that really wears on them when they have to go back. But if like, if you can take the time to choose the perspective of, ooh, I know what this feels like. I know what this tastes like. So when I go back to work, I want to keep working hard so that I can like have the money to like take the mm-hmm. time to go to that audition or take that class so that I can experience that feeling again, you know? For as a sure. of it as like going back to the survival job and being like, oh, sometimes you will. You sometimes you mm-hmm. yeah. You're preaching to the choir. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> you will. <laughs> wow. And I think it's oh. in that too. Sometimes I think that maybe there's a world in which the dislike of the survival job, while it's not good for you in the overall big picture, there are periods of time. I don't think it's forever and I don't think it's sustainable by any means for mental health. But I do think that perhaps those moments where you hate the survival job, that that energy is supposed to be focused and used to fight, to to fight and to put your energy towards whatever the next step for you is in the performing arts career. Totally. I love that. So what's your worst survival job? (laughs) (laughs) Worst survival job. By the way, though, we love the stories. But what's your worst survival job? No, no, absolutely. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back in line. I talk a lot. No. I think that 
I really, I really, really, really dislike working at Bubblegum, at the Bubblegum Shrimp Company. I, I just found it to be so stifling and, and I'm contradicting everything I said about choosing, you know, a, a positive perspective, but it, it, it was really rough. And I remember there was a specific manager who was, he was born again Christian and was real judgy mm. and like, he had this serial killer smile and like there were certain things that he didn't like that were tied to his faith and not about like work behavior that were annoying. Mm. And he could be difficult just to be difficult because he had power. I hate that. Uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was it was it was terrible. But that said, my first job ever, ever, ever in life was packaging uh, fake gold teeth at the back of a dollar store. I'm dead. <laughs> Why is it gotta <laughs> be gold? Robin, only gold teeth are multiple items. All I did was fake gold teeth. You get a case no. and there were little Ooh. little ring boxes. They were like 20, 25 <laughs> boxes. And I would take the food, it was little, and I would have to bend it to fit in the box. So sometimes it was like open like a Pac-Man. And so you just have to like pinch it to grip it down so that the box would close. And so <laughs> the, the whole thing was you got paid by the box. And so you had to like go as fast as you could. But I tell you, the amount of teeth, the fake old teeth that I broke because I bent it too much and then it oh. would like crack. And I'd be like, nobody knows. Put it away. Oh my God. And I was, I was a kid. I, was, I just can't uh, believe you were assigned to just the gold teeth. Just gold flavor. Flav! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Maybe that's where he got it at the dollar store in Norwalk, Connecticut. Uh-huh. So we've heard about your survival jobs and your stories, which sort of all led you up to the success that you've had. So can you tell us what it was like when you got nominated for your first Tony? I think that the only other moment in my life that can compare to that moment, right, Robin? Yeah, was (laughs) coming out to my mother. Mm. Because it was like a vacuum. It was like you suddenly just went into slow motion and this primal feeling came out. So the setup was, it was for In the Heights. We were shooting Good Morning America. So we had to be on set at like five in the morning. I got up at like four. I had a show and a reading the night before. And so you were on very little sleep. I was just doing like a, a, a like a couple little things. Uh, the big number was going to be Karen Olivo singing It Won't Be Long Now. And then like Mandy Gonzalez and Chris Jackson were going to do little, little like, um, they were singing out the, the the cuts to commercial break. They were doing When You're Home. And we, the boys and I, like three or four of us were just dancing. And all of a sudden, I knew Tony nomination were coming out that day. And I was all excited about it because I had, you know, I was trying to manifest a nomination. But then there was a moment of there's so much happening that you forgot. And on a break, I noticed that all of the creatives that were around and our stage managers and everybody were huddled up. And there were these orange, was it orange or yellow sheets of paper that were stapled together? And I was like, what's that? What's that? Why is everyone looking at that? <laughs> I love the specifics though of the memory of the color. Orange oh, all day, every day. Because it was also like, who prints in that color? Like, why is it special? Mm. And so sure enough, it was just somebody had extra paper, I'm sure. Uh, and so <laughs> I, I look at it and I, I kind of felt that whatever that was, was what I thought it was, but I didn't want to admit it or psych myself out. Or look yeah. foolish if it wasn't what I thought it was and my face broke and I wasn't in that group or, you know, I was just worried of like yeah. looking, of looking a fool and having anyone see that. So I look and I was like, what's that paper? What's that paper? 
And all of a sudden I walk towards the group and the stage manager, I'm, in, I'm huddled in one group and my stage manager, Jason Bassett, was huddled up in another group. And he turns to someone in my group and says, Robin needs to see that. Give that to Robin. Give that to Robin. And then he goes back and I was like, why was he, why, why is he saying that I have to look at it? Why do I have to look at it? Why is he saying that to anyone else? Like, what, what is, is, is it me? And I'm like, Robin, fix your face. Cause if it's not what you think it is, I don't want it cracking <laughs> in front of everybody. So get it together. Aww. Someone hands me the paper and I tried to go from the first page. It was the list of the nomination. And, you know, it was all the big, big, it was, it was, in the, it was the big, big <laughs> in, the, in the hierarchical, you know, categories, whatever. And so then I'm looking and reading through everything and, and Jason grabs the sheets away from me and he flips it to the third page. And I'm like, why is he flipping it to the third page? Why wouldn't he let me read it in, like, <laughs> in the order? Like, why, why, why is he doing this? And I look and I immediately look for my category and I look at my name and I go, oh my God. And it, it was a primal sound. It was, it was from way down deep in my gut. And I remember that my sternum collapsed. Like I went inward. My boy, Seth Stewart, Graffiti P was next to me. Immediately what I did was I censored myself because we had to perform. And I went, no, I've got to perform. <laughs> and in, in my mind, I was just like being a weird performer, but I, I actually like kind of wish that I had given myself that moment of a mm. release because it, it never really, really came out the way I thought it was. And I was a little frustrated in the moment because I didn't have my phone on me and I didn't have anyone's phone memorized. And so I couldn't call my mom. So for like two hours, my phone was blowing up and I couldn't let anyone know. But but when I was able to, to let everyone know, my mother was so funny because she didn't understand what the Tony Awards were. But by, by about 4 p.m. that day, the media in Puerto Rico had been all over Lin-Manuel. And by four o'clock, she called me and said, I'm booking a flight. I have three dresses. I will see you in June. <laughs> like, she, she oh my gosh. She knew what that was. She didn't know before, but she learned it. She had time to get the spark notes and <laughs> she had a weave pick, picked out and she was good to go. I love That's, the specifics. <laughs> That's so wonderful. It was beautiful. It was, it was very beautiful. And it's so emotional. I'm like, it, I want to cry. It'd it be like that. It, it is super emotional. <laughs> and it's interesting just, and the, the reason I compare it to coming out was because that was the first time in my life, I think, that I remember being so nervous that I, that I actually went to speak and my throat shut. Like I remember coming out mm. and going, oh, and, and the words couldn't come out. Mm-hmm. And like that, that just, that feeling of, of something being so huge that you aren't in control of your body that like mm. <laughs> there are things happening that you don't even know you're capable of and and that feeling for that nomination that i felt in my gut like that moan mm. that came out it was it was primal it was ancestral it was deep <laughs> deep wow tell tell the listeners how that moment tied into your survival job oh my god i can't even believe i didn't even <laughs> Oh, hello. So I'm like, tell them. Yeah. So what's crazy is we were shooting Good Morning America as, you know, the day of the nominations, like I said before. And we were shooting mm. in the island in the middle of Times Square on Broadway and where the where Broadway and 7th Avenue intersect. And it's like 43rd, 44th Street. Well, guess what is across the street from that island? <laughs> the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. Hello. Oh, no. And I quit that job on Christmas Eve as a gift to myself. Oh, I was with so 
Yeah. You I had no other job? I had no other job. I was like, happiness. you got to get out of here because this is not, I'm going to choose mental health. Yeah. Your other oh job gosh. is happiness. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and part of that happened also because I had seen Carolina change. Carolina change changed my life. And mm. I knew that I wanted to be a part of work that meant what that show meant to culture. Mm. And, and I recognized that Bubba Gumps was actually limiting me and not the, yeah, I was making money, but I was also losing my voice every day, screaming at that place. And mm. you know, that job required you to play certain kind of games and be super high energy in a way that was hindering my auditions. So I, I had to get out because it, it wasn't serving its purpose. Yeah. And, and I was, and I was, like I said, I was really unhappy there. And so to have that moment of one of the most joyous moments of your life, be mm. in front of this place, like, listen, God bless all the good that came from working at the Bubblegum Shrimp Company, but also fuck you. And thank you for letting <laughs> me be here right now and having this moment in front of that place. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love that you were living your purpose, right? It's like, <laughs> You were no like you know you were like I have to make a decision that's best for me, and it was the right decision. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, there's a there's a level of intuition and connection mm. to source that I had in my youth that I think over the years I have been working to getting back to. Yeah, there's a part of the business that did that did mm, I allow myself to lose some of that. Mm-hmm. But in my, in my youth, I made all kinds of crazy decisions that people <laughs> thought made no sense. And I was like, I don't know. It just, I, I know it mm-hmm. feels in my body like it is right. And I'm going to honor that. And I left that place. And within that year, I, I went back to Connecticut. I moved back home with the fam. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was going to go to college. And actually what ended up happening was I booked in the Heights. Wow. And that wouldn't mm-hmm. have necessarily happened if I had stayed in the city. Or went to college. Oh, true that. Right. It's crazy. <laughs> I love that. Cause I feel like a lot of people, because of where we're at with the pandemic, a lot of people are like realigning what their purpose is and like trying to figure out what they're gonna accept, what they're not gonna accept going forward. And I know for me personally, maybe I'm speaking from my own personal experience, mm-hmm. but that's just so motivating and so inspiring. And it's like, yes, like follow that voice within yourself. Even that's like cheesy that may sound, but like it's true at the end of the day. It's so true. And you're living proof of that. And real talk, not to go too deep, but to go deep, you know, when you live in it, when you are a, the product of an immoral capitalist society, mm. you feel like the suffering is a part of it, that mm. we're supposed to take that, 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 that bad quality of life and, and those crappy jobs in order to make this thing happen. When in actuality, I'm a huge fan of, a phrase that I learned at the Actors Fund through their workshops of a parallel career, of something else that you also love just as much as you love acting or, or, or directing or lighting or, you know, whatever it is that you do in the arts. And that sometimes, you know, we were, we were fed this thing of like, I know as an actor, it's like, if you can't see yourself doing anything else, if you can see yourself <laughs> doing anything else, then go do that other thing. And I'm like, who said that? Like, I know, yeah, I hate that so much. I hate it too, because I'm like, yes, it's rough. Yes, you put up with, there's a lot of things that aren't in your control, but like, why do I have to operate in this man? It, it's, it's, it's like a, pardon this, if it, I don't mean for it to be disrespectful, but like, sometimes we make up these like plantation-y rules about Broadway. Mm. Like we're supposed to be its servants that way, but like, yeah, we're making contributions. And so there are certain things that I don't think I, I, I don't think I have to torture myself to have this thing. I think we can find some balance in a lot of ways. And if that means that there's another, I have friends who, who build 
you know, they, they design wardrobe for, for dogs and that makes them mm. really happy. And they don't stop doing that and selling those outfits when they're on Broadway. They do that on mm. their breaks in between scenes. They do it during the day. You know, there are, there are lots of things you can do that help you stay financially sound in this mm-hmm. business that don't have to be, don't have to have the negative connotation that we associate so much with the with the word survival job. Right. Mm. Jason, we have to get Ziggy one of these outfits. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Jason has the cutest like, dog named Ziggy. And sometimes he makes appearances on the show. Not yet. He does, yeah. My little fur Three. nephew. <laughs> I, you said that, and I said, we got to get Ziggy an outfit. <laughs> that's, a, that's a sidebar from the very deep, inspiring talk, but <laughs> we got to get Ziggy an outfit. I know. Like, I'm on the verge of tears, and she's thinking about my dog. I know. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> Robin's like, you don't always have to hate your survival jobs. You can find happiness and still pursue. I'm like, what about the dog? <laughs> you know, but there's a tie there because dogs can make you happy. So I'm talking about what, what you need to make you happy. And if that dog comforts you, then here we go. Oh, I'm wicked through and through. <laughs> the rights for all of these songs. So I have to shut up with that. You know, <laughs> I do love that. What you were saying, Robin. It's so true. You know, and I know I've said this to you before. And Jason and I touched a little bit about this on episode one. If you haven't listened to that one yet. But, you know, I have said to you before, like, I will never quit trying to be an actor, but I can do other things along the way that will be fulfilling and be financially stable, but I can do both. And you're right. They, they make they, who's they, I don't know, but these rules are made and instilled in us at a very young age when we, when we decide or like are informed that this is what we want to do that well you have to do this that or the other you can't have Mm. it all when you you can but but also real talk what is the difference other than the fact that we're talking about working class people trying to become actors right what Mm. is the difference between us balancing a survival job a parallel career or acting why is that different than george clooney selling tequila Hello. Why is that different than J-Lo having a puff coat line? Why is that different than yeah. P.C. being a mogul? Like, these, there are celebrities who make it and then do all these other things, but no mm-hmm. one's like, oh, J-Lo, oh, 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 or George Clooney, like, or Michael M- M- McConaughey. No, 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 you can't do that because you're an actor. If you could find yourself doing something else, then you shouldn't be acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the way, that that tequila George Clooney makes is good. Casamigos. Word. Maybe Casamigos will sponsor the podcast. I got a couple glass. I got a couple bottles of Casamigos. I know you do. (laughs) Hashtag sponsor us, Casamigos. Yeah. (laughs) I'll just say this and I'll shut up. I recently have been questioning with myself the certain beliefs and rules and like little like proverbs in theater that we throw out that sound cute. Then now I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh. Why are we okay with that rule? Yeah, yeah they ain't so crude. They <laughs> for real, for real. So, um, so that's why I went off on that tangent. And thank you for no. tying it back in when you made that dog noises now to the dog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so inspired by this. Uh, like, why do you choose to be an artist, right? Like, why do you choose to keep, or why did you before? Because now you're very successful and uh you know you're killing it so before you were killing it why did you keep why did you keep pushing on like what made you want to keep doing this Mm. to get to the place where you're at now I mean I don't know that I always understood at the time why I love doing this but it like 
in retrospect, when I look back at my life, mm. there are two things that I think about. The first musical I ever did was Grease. And it was at a community <laughs> theater. And I'm from South Norwalk, which is a very different place economically than Darien and Stanford, Connecticut. Or and even Stanford is diverse. So it just depends what side of the tracks you're on. On the other side of the tracks. Um, <laughs> so I remember doing that musical. There were some bullies. There were, there were some people who were really mean because I would show up. I was the only person I believe who identified as a person of color in that production. I'm, I might be missing someone, but I'm pretty sure that was it. You know, I came in with my basketball shorts and matching shirt and my sneakers and like it was a different vibe than like mm -hmm. the, the polo shirts uh, untucked uh, or with the collar up from Darianne. Pop and, collars. Yeah, pop collars. Thank you. And I remember <laughs> that there were a couple really ugly moments where people said mean things. And I realized that like it, it, it was so easy to let it slide. It was like Vaseline on my shoulders. It just slid off because I was having so much fun doing this new thing. And mm -hmm. it was like, oh, how interesting. Like they're making fun of me, which I'm used to that, but like, it's not irking me the way it did before. There's something to this thing. Mm -hmm. And my whole life growing up, I don't even think Samantha knows this. My whole childhood was always about moving back to Puerto Rico. My mm -hmm. parents, you know, part of the Puerto Rican diaspora of the mainland was that you'd work here, you, you, you do your thing and you'd save your money. You'd sell your house if you were fortunate enough to buy one and you'd go build one in Puerto Rico. And then you retire there or you'd settle there in your 40s and work a part time job or whatever, whatever. And I dreamed of that life. Like I was a really Puerto Rico. Oh, I was so I'm, I'm so romantic about Puerto Rico. I love it. I will kiss the dirt there. <laughs> um, but when I discovered theater, it was the first thing that I loved as much as Puerto Rico. Wow. It was That's the, so beautiful. Yeah, and, and it, it is. And, and I never I never actually worded that that way until this year. And that mm. was through a, a convert of random tangent that led me there. And I realized, oh, yeah, that was the first thing that made me go, maybe I'm not supposed to go there. Maybe, maybe this, maybe that's not the right move. And and mm. ultimately that, that is why I saved. Now, what kept me in the business, I think is the understanding that acting, and this is really cheesy and people will laugh when you say this, but acting is a constant practice in empathy. Like you're constantly justifying mm -hmm. someone else's feelings and why they do what they do. Yeah. And, and for me, I find, I just like that as a human. I love the fact that when I have beef with somebody, I can instantly tell myself, if I, if I can tell myself to take a breath, in that moment, I can attempt to put myself in that person's shoes and see where they're coming from, see what their perspective might be, what I might not have noticed or what I might not have taken into consideration, why those words might have had power, and I can mediate better. And also, I'm just a romantic. I love, I love, being, I love being other people. I love living experiences that aren't a part of my life. Um, I love work. I love the sense of community that we have. In, in the arts, even even if sometimes it's messy, and we know it gets messy. <laughs> it gets messy. And 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 real mother flower and talk. Um, I also am like fully aware now at this point in my life. I'm like I'm one of the only ones of my people that are in 
that are fortunate enough to be in this position on Broadway. You know, do you, mm. do you have, and, and even me, I'm, I'm at like this different place. I'm like, I'm like working class Broadway actor. In mm. Israel, <laughs> you know what I mean? As opposed to like, yeah. well, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's, there's, an, there's a lot of importance in representation. And so that, that those moments where I'm, I'm not jiving with the business, where I'm not feeling in, in, in the pocket, th- those mm. moments can, can correct me. I love that. That reminds me of what Viola Davis said when she won her Oscar. She said, I became an artist and thank God I did because we are the only profession that celebrates what it means to live a life. I just got chills when you said that because I remember that moment and hearing those words for the first time and I sobbed. <laughs> I mean, Samantha loves Viola so much. It's like, I will always say- My eyes are welling up. Yeah, exhume those bodies. Exhume. Zoom those bodies. Here's a little fun fact in case you didn't know. Viola loves to drink juicy mango juice and tequila. (laughs) (laughs) Not know that. There was a point in um, our friendship where we (laughs) would watch Viola Davis interviews until like three in the morning. Oh, Viola Davis, boys in the band, like the amount of Viola Davis monologues that I would watch in preparation for Emery to get myself in my feelings. Is that true? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Viola, Viola was Viola was was part of the ritual before the show. Oh wow, Robin, that's awesome. Yeah, she she would she would get me in my feelings. I would when I was taking Meisner, I would use her as like like a, 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 a what you would call it a sub, like a substitution. Like working with Viola Davis was like because she's so amazing. I love that we all love her. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> she's like our dream guest, Robin, Jason, and I. Right? Have- Put it into the universe <laughs> a couple of times. Um, you know, in two years, survival jobs, a podcast <laughs> will be happening and we will be interviewing Viola Davis. Maybe in person, maybe all with juicy mango tequila drinks. How yes. oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Oh man, I, I love talking to you, Robin. This has been so fantastic. I feel like I never well, I never did get to talk to you like about professional career stuff. So I feel like this is like a master class, honestly. Thank you. What was your favorite professional artistic experience? You've done Broadway, you've done film, you've done like everything pretty much. So here's the thing. There's one, there's an easy one. Do you want me to give you the easy one? Because it's going to be in the Heights. Can we have both? Can we have the easy one? Yeah. That one, I guess for me, is so obvious that maybe it's more interesting to think of something else. (laughs) Oh, no, I got an idea. We'll have the professional one, but then I'm going to add something else because I'll be doing whatever I want. Yeah. Um, (laughs) That's the rule on this podcast. You come in, you do whatever you want. Yes. Exactly. As long as you edit it. I'm kidding. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Boy, if you saw my editing skills, if you, if you know. Uh, so I think I know, hands down, the number one most amazing professional experience I've ever had was in the Heights. Like that feeling of performing a show, not only with your castmates, but with the ancestors every night was mm. so present. That feeling of so many of us were so used to being the token Latino and everything, the Latine person. Mm-hmm. And so at that moment to be like, yo, I've seen you, I've seen you. And guess what? Now we're all together. Like we're not the token anything. We're just, we're the group. And then the show is being written by someone of the culture. And, and, and it's a working class story that isn't poverty porn. That isn't. Um, oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. And that, and that isn't, us selling drugs and, and it was so interesting when white folks would come up to us all the time there are a couple people in the broadway community who know this was them 
who would say, <laughs> I just, I don't know. Like, it just didn't seem real. Like, I watched it in Heights and no one's selling drugs. And I was like, whoa. That's real, guy. Robin? Oh, boo-boo. People we know. No. Oh, 100%. And and because they weren't thinking, and this is right. this they people people don't ever stop to think that the things that come out of their mouth their mouth people don't stop to think that the things that come out of their mouths are crazy and disrespectful mm-hmm. <laughs> and ignorant mm-hmm. and and we heard that a lot and so to sort of be I know that this is this is I guess it's problematic is it, it's different now but I hope you understand like. To me, it reminded me of like the importance of the Cosby show, of like showing mm-hmm. people a different perspective of the Black experience. And we were showing a different perspective of, of the Latina experience. And yeah. that was that was noble, but without, it wasn't like, we weren't trying to be white pleasing. Like, you know, oftentimes as, as a gay actor now, I find one of the things that always annoys me is like, why does every gay character I audition for have to be a doctor or a lawyer? Like, I get it. Straight people, you want to feel safe. You want me to feel like I went to school and I'm educated and like, but mm-hmm. also like, what about the gay person who like is a bus driver? What about the gay person who works in retail? What about the, like, there's mm-hmm. so many other gay people who are also worthy of empathy, sympathy, and compassion. And so like, why do we always have to be there? And it's the same thing with, it's the same thing with any marginalized group. So yeah. Heights. It was it was a combination of so many loves, and and it was just special. It was anointed. There was there was a, a, a there was a vibration to it that you knew from jump because even the first time I ever did a reading of it, mm. from the like the jump with that clave coming in the yes lights up on Washington Heights up at the break of day I wake up hey, 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 hey. Hey. Do you think I could have? I booked it. Just I don't know about that white girl. Uh, Definitely not. <laughs> but, but, uh, but the thing is, is like even that moment, even even as we were reading the the script for the first time, and it was still messy, and things were being figured out. I was like, "Whoa, you are special, and we all want to mm. be a part of you." Uh, and it's still that way. You know, may I interject a story here? Is I went with your mom to see in the Heights. I don't even think it was a workshop. I think it was a reading. And then we went to see Rent that night. So we had gone. It was the workshop. Oh, it was. Mm. Like, okay. So we saw the In the Heights workshop that day in a very small theater. Was it on 37th Street? It was 37 hours. What was then? I think it's the Barishnikov space now or something like that. Yeah. And then, you know, which was a small little theater and, you know, just a workshop. Great workshop, a workshop. And then we went to Rent that night. Broadway. And his mom, your mom, (laughs) I remember was like, I like the first one better. You know, because she connected with it and it was so real. But I always mm-hmm. remember that because I was very young. I was young, 15, maybe. And I was like, really? But I he's on Broadway. What do you mean you're <laughs> like the Broadway one better? Like, I didn't get it at the time. Side note, I also think there's a part of it with Brent that for my mom, what was so triggering was still living in the fear of the 80s and 90s and having a gay son and HIV. Like, like I remember her saying, "I will never watch you play Angel." She never did. She never did. She didn't want to see that. It was it was too much for her, and she she couldn't isolate and compartmentalize that. And and so that that there was there was with rent that also affected her because I remember years later I did a production of Greece and she was like, "I love Greece. It's one of my favorite. I think it's my favorite one." I was like, "More than Heights," and she was like, "Well, maybe not that." But I was like, "Oh, okay, mom. You like what you like." Like I love likes. Greece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, 
to do better. (laughs) I love Grace. What? (laughs) To me before, and I'm so sorry. I hope you can make this work with the editing. (laughs) You're editing it. (laughs) You said, what was your favorite? My favorite show was obviously In the Heights. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In my professional career, my favorite show was In the Heights. However, one of the most, if not the most special experience I've ever had on stage was my sophomore year of high school, Mame the Musical, opening night, and the feeling of Jen Van Buster and Stephen Cavanaugh were singing St. <laughs> Bridget's Place or whatever that song is called, and we were all behind the curtain. Rehearsals had been so messy, and we had gotten reamed by the teacher, <laughs> and by the teacher, and then it was like they opened the show, and then the curtains open, and it's a party. And it's a big old dance number with like kicks and like, just like living. And, and there was something, I'm giving you jazz hands for those of you that can't see me in, in, in the podcast. Like I'm giving you full-blown agraphy right now, which is full. super hilarious. And, <laughs> and, and I just remember the rush, the energy mm. that felt. It was also vibrational. And I remember even someone from sound was like, what happened? Like, all I know is those curtains open and we felt energy that we had yeah. not seen in any of the rehearsals. And and that that feeling was like a prequel <laughs> for like what was to come. And I always, yeah. I oftentimes will, whenever I feel the, that Russian theater, like I, 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 that's what I think about is that moment in Maine. I love that. My eyes feel wet from that story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think every kind of theater kid has that moment, right? Of like, being on stage and how magical that I remember oh. a side note we my school did uh regional center for the arts shout out we hey. did your good man charlie brown and i was just in the ensemble like they, they made they made up a character i didn't like six characters in that show so they made up a character for me um oh. so we were like the stage crew we're saying moving boxes and shit but, <laughs> but I remember we were like at this competition in Stanford. I don't remember what it was called, but like we were like the underdogs. We had just colorful t-shirts and we had like one box and like all these schools had like these big sets and they had like moving furniture and like, I don't know, it was just like crazy. And we were like, we're not going to win this. Like we're not even going to place. And then I remember that feeling, right? Of like doing the Beethoven Day song and my friend Kyle killed it. Yeah. Um, but it was just that energy, right? That, that, that kind of like vibration that's like impalpable and then like we end up winning you were like how do we win this like we won this i still have the little like platinum little ribbon they gave us but that's oh, i love that there. you still have it yeah, it's hanging up right here on my hollywood wall that's <laughs> well, i feel you i still have all my playbills from the show yeah. up and the headshots you better believe it i still or, have anita shawl what do you mean oh, samantha and anita if amanda do you know a quick funny story is that um robin was doing the in the heights workshop and i had gone with ben to see it and during during this production of west Side story at high school at high school in high school and i could not sing on key still cannot but i booked it anyway i somehow yes, pulled it off. It. i booked it and robin and i were in a hallway in that theater <gasps> on 37th street and he was helping me and we were singing and i can't remember who from the cast or crew somebody walked by and we were singing a boy like that and you were trying to help me and you were like oh she's needed in high school in high school 
<laughs> like just to make sure they knew that this like fat white girl was not playing Anita in like some professional theater. <laughs> I do like, remember. Yo, Forsberg Playhouse is going through it right now. I wish I could remember who walked by. <laughs> like Karen Oliva walked by. I want to say it was Janet. To Janet. Call. It'd be funny if it was Karen because then she was Anita. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my God. All right, Robin. So why won't you ever, and maybe you will, like, will, do you think you'll ever <laughs> give up being an actor, an artist? Why won't you, what will make you decide to give up or choose something else? That's I mean, here's the thing. I've, you know this, I've almost left a couple of times or like really, really questioned it and even given myself timelines and all of that. But at, I think now a lot of those reasons that I wanted to leave were because I felt like I had been robbed of so much of my joy. And mm. over the years, the combination of like the things the business naturally can do to you and Robin's personal anxiety made things not fun. Mm. And, and, you know, I think, I have systemically addressed so much of that within myself and altered it and gotten my joy back. And with that, my power in performing. So I can't see myself leaving. I could always see myself doing other things alongside acting. You know, I, I, I'm a fan of the cannabis industry and I wouldn't mind owning <laughs> a dispensary someday. Yes. Um, um, I would love a dispensary that is, predominantly work by folks who have been put in prison for marijuana possession as opposed to like real crimes. Mm -hmm. I could own a plant store someday. I love my plants. My nice. You, like you like plants? You like plants? Like I know this big old thing was was a bunch of giveaways that I had. This this all this this these giveaways. <laughs> you, you, for those of you listening on the podcast and you can't see what I'm what I what I have behind me, we're zooming and I have a bunch of plants in the background. So I look like a I look like I'm in Edith Beale's house in Grey Gardens. <laughs> <laughs> There's a raccoon oh. popping out in the oh, back. <laughs> I just die that you're um, like, I have some giveaways, like you're Oprah. <laughs> but you guys, the fourth call of the night is going to get a Monstero Deliciosa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you get a plant. You get a plant. <laughs> you get a plant. You want a Serapeggio Woody Eye, honey? You got it. Oh, my God. <laughs> but no, I don't, I, don't, I don't see myself leaving. I think... It's for life. Well, I think we have one more question. Yeah. We have time for one more question. Sure. If that's okay with you, Robin. Oh, boo, yo, you keep talking. Don't worry. <laughs> You're an actor. What is your dream role or collaboration? Mm. Or both. Or both. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the 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 dream is always to originate a role, but of the pre-existing canon, like I'd love to play the Baker and in into into the woods someday. And Give it 16 bars right now. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> um, I I would love to play the baker. I, I love the baker. I do too. And there's a play I did off Broadway a few years ago called Homos or Everyone in America. And I would I would love the chance to make the movie version of that. We have a screenplay mm -hmm. for it, and we're looking for producers. If anybody out there, if anybody's out there trying to make a movie with me, like let them let them motherfucker know. Maybe we can talk yes. about it. <laughs> that that is like the I, I would say that is a the dream project for me. And then my best friend Dominic Wolong is an amazing writer. And real talk, like if I can work with one person for the rest of my life, it's him. I love and adore his work. I love what he represents. 
I feel like he writes for the voices of my community better than and more authentically than almost anyone else. Yeah. Uh, He's an amazing so writer. He is. And, and the thing is, is like, if you can do what you love and then get to do it with friends and be mm. creative with the people that you love and that are part of your community already, like that's, that's gold. Yeah, that's just- That's what it's all about. That's as Janet DeCall used to say, that's party con pay, party with them. <laughs> party yes. with what? Party con pay. She would say it in Spanish, con is with. Party con pay. Party with who? Pay. Pay. Who's pay? Like, <laughs> like getting paid, Samantha. Oh, pay. Money. <laughs> money. Pay. pay, 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 pay. Money, money, make it rain. Make it rain. <laughs> <laughs> about the money. Dollar, 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 dollar bills. <laughs> I genuinely was like, I'm missing something here. <laughs> what? I, I saw it on your face that you still didn't get it. Party with who? <laughs> Yes. So the, 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 I mean, the, that, that's the work. That's the work that I really want to be want to be doing. And I would love, love more than anything, love to one day. I guess not more than anything because I gave so many things that I want to do that I love. But I want to do a romantic, epic period piece, several period pieces in Puerto Rico, in the, of like mm. stories of the country of the working class country folk of PR. I would love to do a gay story in that setting. I would love to do a like a uh, an homage to my father and his life and my grandparents. Yes. I, would love, I would love to do a, a movie about you know race relations in Puerto Rico because there's mm. such there's such like I have a black I, I had a black grandmother may she rest in peace and you know there's colonization just is is, is such a uh, it's, it, it changes the way your your life is and your perspectives and like and and, and in my culture how blackness is has received or the amount of people who don't mm. even realize that they have blackness within them you know mm-hmm. um, i'm what they call habao in puerto rico which is uh, a light-skinned white passing person that you look at and you go wait a minute are you black in another lifetime <laughs> that is very true with me and yeah i think i think that's about everything i want to do that excites me right now it's gonna happen yeah from your mouth to god's ear bro yeah you're manifesting this it's gonna happen <laughs> it really that. is i love all of that i can't believe you worked at fao shorts <laughs> <laughs> i really can't <laughs> i had no idea i only had three shifts i quit i was like this is this has got to stop oh man so robin we like to end every episode with a game just to like bring it back to funness <laughs> funness my been- english language and grammar is excellent tonight you guys <laughs> so since all of your fun talk about the bubba gum shrimp company jason and i thought it'd be super fun to give you some forest gump trivia questions because yes <laughs> or no you had to give all trivia to the guests this is how i lost my boys at that job <laughs> oh my god is like you'd have to do forest gump trivia with the tables <laughs> and so I oh, oh for I real and you, and you got to make up your own questions you can make it easy you can make it hard but there was no out like if a manager went by a table and they said hey has your waiter done any any force comp trivia with you and they said no you would get in trouble you get a write up you you it depended on who was the, who the manager was <gasps> but here's the thing is like some of the tables specifically said please do not bother us please do not play these games with us and there were certain managers that would force you to do it on those customers who specifically said not to. Why would they do that? I don't understand. I don't understand. Colonizers, <laughs> all of them. 
<laughs> I hate it. I hate it so much. Yeah. Tell me. All right, Robin. So let's Maybe. see how much you remember. Okay. okay. Let's, do it. let's pray for me. The first part of the game is a fill in the blank. Okay. Here's a quote. There's an awful lot you can tell about a person by their... Fill in the blank. There's an awful lot you can tell by a person... Tell about a person by their blank. Incorrect. The correct answer is shoes. Shoes. Shoes, okay word. Okay, I got the second one for our Forrest Gump trivia. Um, And I quote... From that day on, we was always together. Jenny and me was like blank. Peas and carrots? Yeah! Oh, wow! <laughs> I just gasped. That was, that gas was genuine. I thought that was going to be a hard that's one. That's a pretty common saying. So I, I, I think oh. that's what I'm oh, I thought it was peanut butter and jelly when I was looking mm. it up. <laughs> really good work on that one. Yeah. I just kept hear saying Jenny and me was like peas and carrots. Terrible. Yes, All right. Jason, I have to skip this one because I deleted the answer. <laughs> wait, I might know it. Why don't you love? Oh wait, <laughs> why did you delete the answer? <laughs> By accident, when I put the other question in there, remember? Maybe if we go like this. <laughs> Watch. Wait, wait. Why don't you love me, Jenny? I may not be a blank man, but I know what love is. Maybe Robin knows. I mean, I don't know. Did you say smart man? I think it is. It is. You got it. Yes. I may not be a smart man. Look at that, Robin. You got it even after I deleted the answer. Um, Okay, this one's fun. Robin, (laughs) when the bullies are chasing Forrest on their bikes, what does Jenny yell after him? Run, Forrest! Run! Good work. Yes. Yes, acting. All right. (laughs) So wait, you're, you're, you're two, two for three so far? Yes. Yes, yeah. good job, Robin. Three for four. Okay. Three for four. four. He's three for three four. Three for four. Yes. I can do math. All right, last one. Ready? <laughs> yes. This is an either or. Which one is the correct one? Is it mama says stupid is as stupid does? Or mama says stupid is as dumb does? Stupid is as stupid does. Correct. Yes. 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 <laughs> wow, Robin. Four out of five. So I'm going to give you 100%. That's what you since we had a hiccup in there with the answer being deleted, <laughs> even though that didn't affect the game at all, I still am going to give you 100. I don't know, Jason, sure. if you agree with me. If Jason doesn't agree, yes. then you get a 90%. Can you imagine like Jason disagreed and was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> he can't get a 90%. If we were competing, we would. I would do that because I'm very competitive. He's very competitive. <laughs> Word. No, I do, I do want to let you know in the game we played last episode when we interviewed each other i won she did win so i just want to make that clear (laughs) i I, I can be honest she won i'm not going to be a spoiled brat thank you that is nice um robin but i would think your your old managers if they're listening i would be so proud of you for knowing those quotes you know what there i will say this jill you know who you are she's one of the managers that bubble she was one of the managers She's my girl to this day. We were, we yes, like Jill. friends post and she has been one of the realest ones to come from Bubba. So there, there were some good people there despite the, the, the rat squad. The rat squad? What the did rat. you say? 
The raggedy ones. The raggedy ones. <laughs> and then you said there were some good ones besides the rat squad. Some of the flowers up in that place. The rat squad. Oh, shit. Robin, um, thanks so much for being our very first guest. Oh my God, my absolute, but I, I hope that the editing process is not too difficult and that you're able to make some magic. No, there's going to be magic. Jason is it. a wizard. I'm telling you. So, Robin, tell us what's next for you. <laughs> Give us that note again. I want to go, the wizard is vocals. I also want to point out I wore my boys in the band shirt for you. What was that? I wore my boys in the band shirt I for you. I just realized that I almost wore that shirt today, too, to work out. Oh. But not for this. That would have been cute if we matched and didn't tell each other. But you're wearing your troop t-shirt, which I, I love. 29, oh. y'all. I love y'all mother flowers. If, okay, y'all, if you're in Connecticut and you need a good gay bar to go to, go to Troop 429. Although, real talk, Corona's still a thing. So we got to mm. respect and be safe. That said, they have taken the bar and converted half of it into a record store. So if you want to show support and support your, your, uh, your gay-owned business, because they're one of the few ones that's actually owned by gay folks... Mm. One of them who is also a gay Puerto Rican, so also support your gay people of color, even yes. if you're fair skinned, love yes. him. Um, <laughs> go there and buy some records if you can't go get a drink at the bar. Hey. Love that. They got that good, good record store. Yeah, what's coming next, Robin, before before we leave? Yeah, no, I'm I'm holding off. I, I don't know if I can talk about that, but I mm-hmm. do, at some point, the Tick, Tick, Boom film adaptation directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda is going to be on Netflix. Yes. I very, so very fun about that one. It, it, yeah, I'm excited too. And I and I actually am not allowed to say too much about that, but I mm-hmm. I, I suspect it will be beautiful. And um, there's some stuff happening down the line that we're working on that it's like it's just too early to talk about. But for sure, your man gonna be working. Yes, you're gonna be planting those seeds for all your your Puerto Rico stories that are gonna happen in the next decade. I can't wait, and I'm looking for the writer because I don't have the right writer for those for for those the stories from Puerto Rico. So if you out there start manifesting that vision board, mm. that's fine. Mm. There it is. I love that. Each other. Well, thank you so much. You're okay. You did an okay job as the first guest, I guess. <gasps> you love me. I no, guess. <laughs> I guess you did an okay job. Ooh, I love you like I love Gardasil. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Robin, I love you so much. Robin, you are my husband for life. Tell everyone where they can check your workout on. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, there, there's stuff all over the place, but if you want to see Boys in the Band on Netflix, you can at any moment. Tick, Tick, Boom is going to come out at some point on Netflix as well, but I don't know the date, so I can't give you that. Mm-hmm. On uh, Twitter and on Instagram, you can follow me at Robin of Jesus. Robin, R-O-B-I-N, of, O-F, Jesus, J-E-S-U-S. Uh, I'm better with Instagram than I am on Twitter, but alas, we'll make it through. Hey, Robin, so yes. th- when we were talking about you coming on the show in the last episode, I said your name, and I said you always yell at me for not putting the right inflection on your last name. So could you properly tell us? Yeah, it's Robin de Jesus. The accent is on you, so it's the last syllable. As opposed to Robin D. Jesus, Robin D. Jesus, <laughs> which listen, like I've heard that my whole life and even some of my relatives will say it that way. But the correct way of doing, of saying it is Robin the Jesus. Jesus. Robin the Jesus. 
Good yep. job, Jason. Oh, I tried. Yep. I tried. You passed. And I'm burning my sage right now, just you know, to complete the the, the ritual. Of there we go. I love that. I share, y'all. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Well, <laughs> thanks again, Robin. Thank you, guys. And everyone needs to tune into the next episode when we interview Mary McGowan, director extraordinaire, and hear about all of her really fun survival jobs. She's yes. a good egg. Enjoy her. She role. is a good egg. <laughs> all right, Bye. y'all. It was great talking to you. Thank you so much. Let's see you all soon. Love you, Robin. Bye, babe. Love y'all. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.